0: You're listening to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast. For more information, check out our website at www.shorelinecc.com. Amen. Thank you for being here today. As we continue in our game plan series, a series that focuses on how to win at life, knowing that God has given us a plan, I encourage you to take out your Bibles today or your smartphone or anything smarter than me and turn to Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter 1. How many know where that is? It's it's in Jeremiah. (laughs) In the Old Testament, all the way back, Old Testament, Jeremiah chapter 1. If you've been with us, we've been in the game plan series. Week 1, we talked about what? The coach. The coach. Who's our coach? Jesus. Jesus. Okay. We talked about having the right coach, following God. Then week 2, we talked about calling the play, the playbook. And what is our playbook? It's the Bible. Realizing that God has put everything, He's written it all out for us, and we focus especially on hearing the voice of God, how we walk in that. And then today, as we look at Jeremiah, we're going to be talking about knowing our position. Knowing our position. Where is God calling us? You know, as as a kid, I would hear about the call of God a lot. Have you ever heard of that? the call of God. God's calling to you. He has a purpose for you. He has a position for you. My pastor talked about it all the time, and sometimes I'd be feeling really good about it, and sometimes I'd be really stressed about it, because I'm like, what is God calling me to do? The Lord is calling to us. He's leading us, because every good coach, when a coach comes together and a coach is putting their team together, one of the things that they do in laying out that team is, as they have these players, is they're deciding what player do I put in which position? You know, my, uh, my youngest son, Micah, loves football. How many of your kids have ever played football? Or maybe you've played football. You want to play football. Okay, when he went there, the coach was laying out these kids, these kids who were learning the game, and he started going through a process of where am I going to put these players, okay? So about 90% of the team, everybody wants to be the quarterback. Everybody wants to throw the ball, okay? And then if you're not quarterback, then you want to be the kid who's catching the ball and whatever, But when they looked at Micah, who's now size 17 shoes, they looked at him and said, I think you'd be a great lineman. (laughs) And they put him on the line, and he loves it. So during the game, if you've ever seen kids play, the kids want to be wherever the ball is, right? So if the ball goes over here, Every little kid starts chasing the ball. Have you seen that before? Maybe you've seen it in soccer, right? Soccer coaches. Wherever the ball goes, there's just this mass of people just kind of following soccer, which, which in the rest of the world is called football. So the analogy still plays true. But as Micah was learning this game, he was there for a couple of weeks. He's kind of learned the position and learning where he needs to be and all of that. So I walked up to his coach and I said, hey, how's Micah doing with this game? And the coach said something to me that I'll never forget. He said, when Micah learns where he needs to be and what he needs to do, he's going to be unstoppable. Think about that. When he learns where he needs to be, because a lot of time, I'm, I'm like Micah, I'm everywhere, kind of going wherever the ball is, but the coach is saying, when he learns and commits to where he needs to be and he knows what to do, he's going to be Unstoppable. Now think about how true that is for us. When we know where we need to be, where God has placed us, and what we need to do, we will live these lives that are unstoppable. But so many times, just like a little kid, we just want to go wherever the ball is. And we leave the line open and the enemy rushes in. This was the word to Jeremiah. And this is our word today. See, the Lord is speaking to us, and he's saying, I have a position for you. I have a place for you. And this is the word he spoke to Jeremiah. Jeremiah 1, verses 5 through 10. And here's what it says. It says, the Lord gave me this message. Speaking to Jeremiah, the Lord said, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. O sovereign Lord, Jeremiah said, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. The Lord replied, don't say I'm too young, for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people. "'For I will be with you, and I will protect you, "'because I, the Lord, have spoken. "'Then the Lord reached out and touched my mouth "'and said, look, I have put my words in your mouth. "'Today I appoint you to stand up "'against nations and kingdoms. "'Some you must uproot and tear down, "'destroy and overthrow, "'but others you must build up and plant.'" Do you hear the power in that? This little boy, little 12-year-old boy, Jeremiah, the Lord's speaking to him, filled with fear, filled with God, how can I do this? What does this mean for me? I believe the word that the Lord spoke to Jeremiah is a word that the Lord is speaking to us, especially as we head into this year. And just two things I want us to focus in on we press our ear into the voice of the Lord today. Two things I want to pull out in this is that first of all, The coach knows your position. The coach knows your position. God knows your position. He made you for a purpose. He knows what that is. And then the second part of it, and this was the part that Jeremiah asked about, that the Lord reassured him on, is that when God places us in a position, secondly, He provides for us. When God calls us and He puts us somewhere, He always provides. So this morning we need to rest assured the coach, He knows your position. And then secondly, he always provides. Amen. How many of us are ready to hear from the Lord today? Father, we, as a group of people, we say, speak, Lord, your servants are listening. We are listening to you. So, Lord, as we look to your playbook, the word of God, your very word, may our hearts be ready to receive, to listen, and to hear and to obey everything that you would say to us today. So let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my rock, my redeemer. And everyone said together, amen, amen. amen. So first of all, the coach knows your position. See, God is speaking to Jeremiah, and he's saying, look, I knew you before you were born. I formed you. I fashioned you. I made you. See, every coach has a team, and the coach assigns the positions because the coach knows where we fit. And with God, as creator of the universe, creator of you, he looked into your life, and he made and he fashioned you for his purpose. He revealed this to Jeremiah, but from the beginning of time, Genesis 1, it says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. So you are all made... In the image of God. We said, you are all made in the image of God, and we all know this, but I think sometimes we forget that. Especially when we're talking to each other, or especially when somebody says something political on Facebook, we forget. They're all made in the image of God, so I need to be a little respectful here, right? Everybody was made in the image of God. We were all made in in His image. And in Psalm 139, this is a psalm that I prayed over my children when they were born. It says, You knit me together in my mother's womb. The Lord made us. He was there. There's a purpose and a design because God created us for His purpose. He looked ahead. He sees the plan. He knows the purpose. And He made you wherever you are today. You need to realize God handcrafted you for His purpose. It says this in Ephesians 2, chapter 10, doesn't it? When it says that what? We are His masterpiece. We are his masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. You are all masterpieces. I feel like I say that every week, but I feel like the Lord wants to remind you of that. That you are a masterpiece when you walk by the street and you see somebody. That's a masterpiece that God created to be made anew in Christ for his purpose. Whether they're the CEO of a big corporation downtown, or whether they're on, on the street hoping that somebody will show some kindness to give them some bread for the day, we're all masterpieces that God has created anew in Christ Jesus for his purpose. This is who we are. And see, there's no way that we can even understand or even fathom the amount of love and care that God has poured into creating us and designing us. There's no way we could even imagine that. Handcrafted, great design to each and every human being on the earth. This is who we are. And as it's creation, our joy and fulfillment, it only comes from discovering and finding our purpose, what we were made to do. See, when something is designed for a purpose, it doesn't find its joy, it doesn't lock in, it doesn't click in until it finds where it was meant to be. You put the wrong gear in the wrong place, it's not going to work. The only thing that's going to create is a lot of money for the mechanic that needs to keep fixing it. You were made for a purpose. You were made for a place. You were made for a design. And this is especially essential today in a world that offers so many options. See, when I was a kid, I was was talking to some friends last night, and they were talking about, uh, you know, how did you get to go to the university that you went to? Because today, like when my son Riley went off to university, we looked at countless universities in the flash of an afternoon because everything's online. You see it all. You, look, you watch videos. You see what's there. You, you see all the costs. You see all this information. But when I went to college, I didn't even hear about it. I was looking for a university for what I felt God was calling me to, but I couldn't find it until somebody passed through traveling. My youth pastor knew what I was praying about. And so he told this lady passing through what I was looking for. She's like, I heard of a place called Evangel University. So she told me about it. And then I had to do something called mail. And I had to send off and ask for another thing called a catalog. How many of you know what a catalog is? (laughs) And you talk to students today, and they're like, man, that takes a long time. Four to six weeks for delivery if it doesn't snow very hard, okay? So I had to get a catalog, and this catalog came in, and a packet came in, and a letter from the president came in, and I was just on cloud nine. I thought, this is awesome. I've never seen so much paper sent to me in my life. And I'm reading it and going through and thumbing through. But today there's countless options. And sometimes we can get so paralyzed by so many options. Some of you today after church you'll go with some friends and say, "Where do you want to go eat?" To which all my friends say, "I don't know." <laughs> you want Indian, you want Chinese, you want fast food, you want to sit down and hang out. Uh, you know, are you trying to eat healthy? Do you want a place for a salad? Do you know how many restaurants my hometown had? One. And it was built by a Chinese immigrant family that came in. Amazing Chinese food. But that was it. So when we went out, what did we have? Chinese. Chinese. <laughs> they also had chips and gravy, if you know what that is. So they did poutine because they were like, hey, we can sell a lot of this stuff to these Canadians if we come over here. Okay? But there was one option. But today, there are so many options, and it's created this, this, uh, this situation that a lot of people call FOMO. Have you ever heard of FOMO? How many FOMO people out there we got? (laughs) FOMO, I was talking to a friend of mine who works for Amazon, and he was talking about this because as a corporation, they were walking through it. FOMO stands for the fear of missing out. The fear of missing out. And this actually became an official word in the Oxford Dictionary back in 2013 because it was so prevalent. And this is how the Oxford Dictionary describes it. See, FOMO, the fear of missing out, is the anxiety that an exciting or interesting event may currently be happening elsewhere, often aroused by posts seen on social media. It is the fear of missing an opportunity for social interaction or a novel experience or a profitable investment or other satisfying events. Have you ever experienced FOMO in your life where you're like, I don't know what to do or maybe I'm missing out or maybe there's something else going on over here, right? Right? So my kids, like, they'll, they'll like, be texting each other about getting together, making all these plans, and they'll spend hours and hours in getting together. And they asked me one day, they said, Dad, did you get with your friends very often? I said, yeah, all the time. They said, man, how did you do it? I said, well, I just went to our hangout. You had a hangout? I said, yeah, I had a hangout. <laughs> I knew where they were. I knew that on any given weekend night, I had friends who were at the gym playing basketball or hockey or whatever I could go to, or I had some friends in a, in a town not too far away that back then I could hitchhike to because I knew everybody, so I could hitchhike up the highway past the moose, and then I could go over, and they were at this, this, this little chip joint, that's french fries, and I could hang out there with them, and it was no big deal, and they were like, whoa, there was no planning, I knew what was going on. Today, there are so many things going on. Well, maybe we should do this, or maybe we should do that. But as they've studied this, they've realized that this fear of missing out, it doesn't result in more productivity. It doesn't result in more connection. It actually results in fatigue, loss of sleep, heightened stress, and psychosomatic symptoms. If you've been there, say, I've been there, (laughs) okay? Result, fatigue, loss of sleep, heightened stress, and psychosomatic symptoms. See, FOMO, it causes us to be distracted by the illusion of more, where this is good, I could go do this, but maybe there's something better. It used to be called the bigger, better deal. This is good, but am I selling myself short? So you do nothing. You spend hours and hours and hours on social media trying to find something to do, and the night is wasted. How many times does that happen? It's that fear of missing out. It paralyzes us. See, we feel like we're missing something, and we are. We're missing what God has given us to do and what God has called us to do, and we're missing what God has designed us to do by putting our eyes here, where God's saying, look up here. I'm trying to tell you. I'm your coach. I got the playbook. I got a plan for you. No fear of missing out. Let me tell you what to do Is you surrender your life to me. See, this is why knowing our purpose is so important because it gives us the confidence that we need to move forward, not the fear of missing out, but saying, God called me there. It may not make sense to me, but God is smarter than I am. God knows better than I do. So when he says go there, I'm saying, God, I'm going to go there. I'm going to walk in you, and I'm going to have confidence in that. That's why the Apostle Paul says it this way in Philippians. He says, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content to be content. Now, to some people, that may seem like Paul is selling out. Like, Paul, you're selling out that, you know, whatever happens, wherever you go, that I'm going to just take it as it comes. Is that what Paul is saying? No. Paul's not selling out. Paul is saying, look, I've learned to be content. I've learned that wherever God is and I'm with him, that's where I need to be. I can walk in that. He says, whether it's in lacking or plenty, sick or health, alone or with friends, I can be content because God is with me. I'm walking in his purpose. It almost sounds like like a Mary's covenant, doesn't it? Right? In sickness and health, I'm going to be there with you because I'm committed to you. God's called me to you. For better, for worse. For richer, for poorer. We're committed to that voice of God. See, the contentment comes from the confidence in God that I am in his plan. This is why in 1 Peter it says that we're to cast all of our anxiety, cast all your FOMO or whatever, cast it on the Lord and say, God, I'm I'm, I'm giving it all to you, all my cares. Because I want that peace that passes all understanding to guard my heart because when we bring our cares to God and we walk with him, he aligns us now according to his purpose. Have you ever driven a car that was out of alignment You know, you're going, you you can't stare, and it's just going crazy. When it's out of alignment, you can't get anywhere. You're having a rotten time, and your passengers are surely having a rotten time because they're like, dude, get your car fixed. Get it in alignment. When you're out of alignment, you're going to be shaken and going, this is not the life God's called me to. Our lives need to be aligned by God. So how do we discover our position? Well, discovering the position that God has for us, it's in the context of the last two weeks, right? Knowing our coach, following our coach, God. Knowing his playbook, the Bible, studying it, knowing it, hearing his voice. But discovering our position in that context, we also need to look at where we are now. See, your location, where you are, is no accident. Does God make accidents? No, God cleans up accidents, okay? <laughs> when there's an accident happening, he comes in and helps us clean it up. He doesn't make any accidents. He doesn't make mistakes. Where you are, you need to look and say, what's happening here? See, we're placed in a context for a purpose where God speaks to us. And as we look at that context, we need to know what God is doing where we are. So instead of, us, instead of saying, God, what is your will for my life? We need to look around us and say, God, what are you doing right here? You've placed me here, you've called me here. What are you doing here? And one of my favorite books, Experiencing God, by Henry and Richard Blackaby, they they break this out. And I really encourage you to, to read and study that. And they break it out so clearly, but it's that idea of God, what are you doing? You've placed me here for a purpose. Now, what would you have me do? See, when a kid walks on a football field, they know they're there to play football. When I stepped into a hockey rink, I knew I was there to play hockey. When my dad, from a young age, put me up in the orchestra pit, I knew I was there to play my saxophone that he'd been teaching me. I was in a context that spoke to me as I'm walking with God. See, Henry and Richard Blackaby, they say it this way. They say, once I know what God is doing, then I see what I should do. My focus needs to be outward on his purposes, not inward on my life. See, when we look at where we are and we look at what God is already doing, then all we need to simply do is just listen to and obey the voice of God. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? And i found that the the older I get, the longer I go, the more things that I step out in faith by God to do, God continues to remind me of the things that he's spoken to me my whole life. Where God looks at my life and says, I want you to listen to me, and I want you to obey. I want you to listen, and I want you to obey. See, Jeremiah's life was changed because he heard God's voice. Has anyone here ever experienced that? You've heard God's voice and it changed you forever. Whether it was an audible voice or whether you heard it inside of your heart and your spirit or whether you're reading God's word and it just seems to come alive off the page to you and God begins to speak to you. See, this it changes our life forever. And Jeremiah needed this experience because later, if you read through the book of Jeremiah, there were times in his life that he questioned many of the difficult and painful experiences. When we don't hear clearly from God and we begin to experience pain and hardship, without that clear voice, we can begin to doubt. Have you ever been there? I've been there. I hit pain. I hit trials. I hit hard times. And I say, God, where are you? I felt like this was the path. Speak to me, Lord. Your servant is listening. See, Jeremiah, he heard the Lord. He knew it was there because Jeremiah had a hard road. Here was Jeremiah's path, a man who was faithful and obeyed God. He faced opposition for 40 years. 40 years. Do you know how many converts he had out of his entire ministry? Two. Dos. Or in French, deux. Okay? Two. He had two converts. Put that in a newsletter. Well, got two converts, 40 years. Awesome. Even his hometown plotted against him. A man faithfully following God. This this is, this is God. But see, he knew. Does hardship mean that we haven't heard God? Does hardship mean that we've missed it? Or that God's wrong? Here's how Paul answered this in Romans 8. Romans 8, Paul said, does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or we're hungry or we're destitute or we're in danger or we're threatened with death? No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And then he says, I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, Paul said, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is created in Christ Jesus our Lord. Are your hockey tears flowing yet? Nothing can separate you from God's love. I think Paul hit everything. He hit the fear. He hit the anxiety, life and death, angels and demons. I mean, you can write a book on that little section there. You've got all the characters are present. This is what Paul's saying to us. Because you hit hard times, because you get sick, because you lost your job, whatever it is, God is with you. I'm trusting God. I'm going to follow in him. I know he's out for my good. And that's hard. It's easy to read Romans 8. It's difficult to walk it out. It's difficult to live that. To say, God, I know your voice. I'm sick. I'm tired. I'm broke. Paul's saying, you know what? I know my Redeemer lives. And he is able, more than able, more than able. And what Paul is saying in this, he's saying that it's not just enough to hear God's voice. You can declare all this, but we need to now walk in obedience to that. We need to walk it. We need to live it out. Because see, there's a, there's, when you look at Scripture and you look at how God has talked to men and women throughout the course of history, you see God telling them to start walking. That's what he said to Abraham. The Bible says that Abraham walked into a land that he did not know. It sounds like some of my hiking expeditions, okay? He's walking to a land he didn't know and he's saying, Go. Because, see, God directs a moving servant. This happens so many times. What did Jesus say to his disciples? Drop your net, follow me. Where are we going? Drop your net, follow me. Where are we going? Drop your net, and follow me. And how many times has Jesus said that to me? Jesus, where are we going? There's times there's a map, there's times in my life it seemed clear, but there's times when God has said, Dwayne, uh, resign from your job, sell everything you have, and just go. That's how I got here today. Okay. Now, today's fun. (laughs) That process was not fun. Because that's all I knew. Drop your nets. Follow me. Start walking start going see it's very difficult to steer a parked car have you ever tried to steer a parked car yeah that's right you can't steer a parked car or if you're sitting in a car going like this like what are you doing that's what kids do those are people who don't have a license to drive right they're just kids playing God's saying start going now, don't misinterpret what I'm saying. There's times that God's going to take your, your car and he's going to put it in a garage because you're out of alignment. <laughs> or you need some repairs. You need, a, you need a season of healing and health. That's not what I'm talking about. And for a lot of us, sometimes it's very difficult for you to steer your car to go into the garage because it feels like failure to you. And God's saying, no, 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 we're going to go in the garage. That's not your end destination, but we're going to get it fixed. We're going to get some healing. We're going to get some rest, but we're going to make you to ride. We're going to make you to go. But sometimes we get stuck in that garage and we start hanging plants around our parking spot and going, I can just live here. This is good. That's not what God calls us to. He directs a moving servant. And if you're having a hard time moving, He's going to get you ready to move. Rest is good. Healing is good. You see throughout, you see the prophets, you see the disciples, you see Jesus taking times to kind of pull away. I'm going to pull back from the crowd. Jesus is not breaking bread today, okay? Jesus is going off to get some rest. There's times that you need that. But you rest so that you can go. You fill the tank so you can empty it and go somewhere and then fill it up again. That's how a car works, that's how we were made to live. And the goal is not just to do anything. God's not saying, just go out and do anything. He's saying, no, listen to me. Peter got in trouble by doing anything. Peter, he saw him come for Jesus, and what did Peter do? He pulled his sword, and he cut off the ear, and Jesus went, I you know, he just, he got the ear, and he picked it up, and he said, "This this is not what we're about, Peter. And he didn't cast Peter away. Even though he knew Peter was going to deny him three times, he told him he did, and he still did it. He said, I'm building my church on this. I'm building my church on Peter, on this rock. I'll build my church. Follow me. Surrender to me. Watch what I'll do in your life. Because, see, as we listen, as we obey As we receive and we know the position and the purpose, God transforms us in that. He transforms us and he renews us in that as we walk yoked with Christ. So find your position. Say, God, speak. Your servant is listening. I'm going to listen. I'm going to obey. I surrender to you. I'm going to walk. Whatever my circumstances, I'm going to walk. I just want to hear from you. Get the FOMO out of my life. Get the fear. I'm going to bring it to you. Anything that's distracting me. Remove it. I want to hear your voice. And then God's going to speak to you. He's going to show you. He's going to reveal it to you. And you may have the same response that Jeremiah said. "What did Jeremiah say?" He's like, "I can't talk. I'm too young. I've never experienced that. I'm surrounded by young people who talk to me. all the, my kids talk to me all the time. <laughs> but they hear the call and the purpose. They said, "What? I'm, I'm too young. I can't do that. And then God showed Jeremiah. He said, Jeremiah, when I call you, I provide. When I call you, I provide because the coach always provides for the position. When your kid goes out to play football, what does the coach do? They, they give them all the gear and stuff, okay? They give them all the gear. They give a helmet. They make sure it fits. They give them all the things that they need to do. They practice with them. They get them ready for the field. I've never had a team that my kids have signed up for where they've signed up for it and they went out and they started playing the opposing team right away. They get the gear for it. One of my kids signed up just so that they could have pretty pink socks. They were in it for the, just, just for the provision. I owe her some money now for using that illustration. <laughs> God provides, <laughs> Right? Jeremiah says, I can't speak. And the Lord said, don't say I'm too young. For you must go wherever I send you, say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you and I will protect you. I, the Lord, God Almighty, I've spoken. And then the Lord reached out and he touched his mouth and he said, look, I've put my words in your mouth. See, what is God saying? God's saying that, you know, I've called you, I've placed you, and I'm the giver, and I'm the provider. We get in trouble when we focus on ourselves. Because sometimes we hear the call, and we see it, and we go, whoa, how can I do that? Sometimes we say, I'm too young, or I'm too old, or I'm too this, or it's too late, or I've messed up too many times, or we bring all these things in, but we fail to recognize that the call of God will always exceed your ability. When God calls you, it will always exceed your ability. If you could do it on your own, you don't need God. And there are so many of us, and I think most of us, we've been guilty of this, where we want to hear the call of God, but we're just out doing stuff on our own strength. Or we receive the call of God, and we just kind of we just start walking on our own, and God's going, let me f- provide what you need. Because my call will exceed your ability. You can't do it without me. It's my call, my way, my provision. Because, see, God, he does his work through us. And Jesus even said, you'll do even greater things than me. Jesus is not not saying that we're greater than he is. He's saying that, look, the call of God and the way that God provides, you'll do even greater than this. This is just the beginning. Because, see, God is the qualifier in everything. Age is never a disqualifier. We talked about Samuel last week. Samuel was was young. And God used him and radically changed his life. Jeremiah was young. So never say you're too young. But we also see places where God says, and don't tell me you're too old. Abraham was 75. 75 when he walked out to a place he didn't know. Moses was 80 when God appeared to him in a burning bush, and Sarah was 90 years old, 90, 91, when Isaac was born. Can you be too young or too old to be used by God? No. Have you ever been guilty of saying, I'm too young or I'm too old or that's past me? Or I'm too this or I'm too that? See, God is the qualifier. He's the one who speaks into us because God is timeless. We tend to be bound by time, but God's God's timeless. He's going, age doesn't matter. He moved in Joshua's life, and as he was getting ready to go in and take the promised land, at 85, he said, I feel stronger now than ever. I'm going to go take that hill because God is with me. This is the call in our life. He's saying, don't look at yourself. Yeah, my call is not what you can do. I'm going to provide and flow through you so that the world would know that there's a God that loves them. So age is not the qualifier. And you you know what else is not the qualifier? Your talent. Have you ever said, I'm not that talented, or I don't have that talent, or... Yeah, I don't have that ability. Your talent is not your qualifier. See, God gives to everybody... I remember, you know, I, I grew up in, in the 80s, a lot of hair, long hair, uh, you know, guitar was king. And I heard of this guitarist named Eddie Van Halen. Maybe you've heard of him. Okay? Um, and I looked at Eddie Van Halen because I was working out my theology the best I could at the age of 13. And I remember asking, I believe it was my youth pastor, somebody around me, and, I, and so they were talking about how God gives gifts, and how God flows in, and saying a lot of these things. And I looked at Eddie Van Halen, and no offense to Eddie Van Halen's masterpiece, God Made Him, but in some of the videos, he was doing things that I didn't think God would approve of, and he was living a life, but he was a virtuoso as it came to the guitar, and he studied violin and the technique, and I was going, wait a minute, As a little kid, I was going, doesn't God just give gifts to, like, people who love him and people who care about him? And my pastor brought me to a scripture how God reigns on everybody. God provides for everybody. And God loves Eddie Van Halen just as much as he loves you, and he loves you, and he loves you. Whether we serve him or not, that doesn't depend on his love. Now, it affects how we receive it. But God offers it to everybody. God gives talent to everybody. And thank God that he does. How many of you have ever blown the talent God gave you? You're like, God, thank you for forgiving me and help me in this. Rise it in. So everybody has talent. God gives it to everybody. Everybody's a masterpiece whether they're serving him or not. But our talent is not the qualifier. Because God is not limited by talent. Because God is the giver of every good and gift cometh from the Father above. It flows down to us. And our success is not the result of our, of our talent. The Bible says that our success is the result of our salvation through Christ Jesus who has transformed us. Again, Paul says in Philippians 2, he says, Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. See, there are, there are talents and abilities within you that you don't even know about yet. As you follow and as you surrender to God, God's going to start speaking to some of those talents and some of those seeds that he put in there that are going to come alive in you as you surrender to him. And you're going to start going, wow, I didn't know that was there." Is that because you didn't st- surrender your life to me? See, the coach pulls those things out. I've seen it in the arts. I've seen it in the sciences. I've seen it in so many aspects of our society where people had talents they didn't even know about. Have you experienced that? You start walking down the way and you're going, hey, I've got a talent for this. And God begins pulling it out. Because God is the giver, but our success and our qualifier is not the talent because if you need something, God's going to give it to you. I've seen time and time again and heard stories about people that they thought had no musical talent and then God moves in their life and all of a sudden they're playing at a whole new level. People who couldn't speak that now are master communicators. People who lived in fear that had a hard time just walking across the street and talking to somebody who is now sharing the love of Christ with everybody. People who lived in poverty most of their life, as they begin to surrender to Christ, God begins moving in their life and uses them through economics and through reaching the economic sector. See, God's placed things in you that are yet to be birthed as we surrender to Him. This is why God doesn't take any excuses. There's no excuses with God. I'm too young. No, you're not. I'm too old. No, you're not. I don't have any talent. Boom. There's uh, Everything you need, I'm going to give you. Whatever you need, there are no excuses because It's God's call and God's way as he fills us and enables us, empowers us. And even when we are weak, have you ever felt weak? What does the Bible say about weakness? In our weakness, he is made strong. So if you're feeling weak today and tired, I would say, hallelujah, awesome. Because you are in the perfect place where God's strength can be perfected as you yield to him, as you listen to him, and as you obey him. Am I speaking truth today? Am I speaking? Am I reminding you of things that you know? Am I reminding you of things that you need to know? Because sometimes we feel age, we feel talent, we feel weakness, and God is saying, are you ready? Are you ready to surrender to me? Are you ready to listen to me? Are you ready to see what I'll do in you? Are you ready to see what I will pull forth in you? This is why I love our church, this body of Christ here. We have everything from young to old, various talents, various nations coming together. Do you recognize the strength in that? As God uses everybody, everybody as we surrender to Him. Because remember, how do we measure success? Success is obedience. Success measured by God is in terms of obedience. Remember what I talked about Jeremiah? Jeremiah didn't have an awesome newsletter. Forty years of opposition, only two converts, and his hometown tried to do him in. But do you know how God describes him? Successful. Because he obeyed. I've heard countless stories of missionaries. There was a missionary that went in this elder, unreached people group and this was back in the day when, when missionaries went to the foreign field. They packed their belongings in a, ca- in a casket because they knew that that's where they would be the rest of their life. And so they had their casket for whenever they died. This husband and wife team went to this outer reaches, spent their whole life. Do you know how many converts they had? None. None. Now, to some of us, we would say, man, what a waste of a life. No converts. But here's what happened. When they died, they were so loved by the community that they served, even though none of them converted, that they did something that they never had done for Christians before. They gave them some land so that they could bury their bodies there and honor them. Their whole ministry, they tried to get land, but because they were Christians, they weren't allowed to have any, but because of the witness in their life, they now had land. Out of that, another missionary now came in. And because of the witness that was there, all these seeds started to be stirred up. And as they went into this area, they began to say, well, how can we build a church? How can we build a place where we can meet because you can't get land here? And they're like, oh no, you, you have land. It's the two missionaries. We gave them land for this. And they built up a work of God where people began coming to the Lord. And a revival broke out in that area because two missionaries went. How many of us would say they were not successful? Zero commerce, but they gave their life. And out of death, new life came out and burst forth because they were obedient to God. In this lifetime, you may not see it. But you know what's happening in eternity right now? Can you imagine the celebration that is happening? They say it was worth it all. It was worth it all. But it all comes down to hearing God's voice. See, Jeremiah, in the midst of the opposition, in the midst of everything, his confidence came from hearing God's voice. His confidence came from saying, you know, Lord, I know you called me. I know you called me. He had times in his life when he was, I'm sure, ready to throw it all away because we've been there, haven't we? We hit these times and we're like, but the same thing that Jeremiah kept going back to, he kept going back to, I know that God spoke to me is the same thing that I go back to. I know that God spoke to me. I'm not going to be held captive by what I see today. I'm not going to be held captive by my fears. I know that God called me, and he's speaking to me, and he's calling me out, whether I'm a 10-year-old boy back in Newfoundland or whether I'm a 47-year-old man standing in Seattle trying to reach a city that is so confused about God. It's the call of God in our life. And God is speaking to you today and saying, will you listen to me? Will you rise up? Will you not let any other influences come in? and just focus on my voice and watch me provide, watch me fill, watch me enable. You're not going to allow the enemy to come in and start sowing seeds of dissension. Pastor Duane was talking about money today. I know it. He's all about money. No. God's not saying that to you. God is trying to pull us together and saying, let's get about his plan. Let's give our life for the Lord. Let's listen to him. Let's recognize his voice and let our success be all about obedience. I obeyed you today, God. That's successful. I obeyed you today. I don't see any changes, but that's success. I know you're working all things to your good. You're transforming you. You're walking in me. We're going to walk in unity hearing your voice. We're going to walk together. We're going to encourage each other. We're going to see our lives change, our children's lives changed. Our families change. Our communities change. But we need to be willing to step up and say, God, here I am. Speak. Your servant is listening. How many would stand with me today and just say, Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. If that's you, just stand up this morning. Just stand up and just begin to speak that. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. If that's your heart, just speak it to the Lord, fresh and new again. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Speak, Lord your servants. We're listening. We want to hear your voice. We want to walk in you. We want a life that is filled with your power, transformed by your Holy Spirit, empowered by your Spirit as we step out. Lord, as we head into this response time, Lord, don't let us check out. Don't let us clock out. But Lord, help us to check in, to hear your voice. As you continue to respond to the Lord in the listening guide, there's questions to help you process, but you may already know. The Lord may have already been speaking to you. But some prompts would be, have you discovered your purpose at home, at work in your neighborhood? What is it that God's calling you to do? And now what next steps do you need to take to obey God wherever you walk? If it's discovering it, pray with somebody. We have prayer team that already, they're moving out to the outer edges where you can go, you can just pray with them and say, yeah, I'm, I'm just praying to hear God's voice. I want to hear, I speak, but I feel like no one's listening. Would you help me today? Let's seek God together or turn to your neighbor or go to one of our prayer walls and just start writing down. Maybe God's called you to something. And you're going, I'm just going to write it down. Here's what God's called me to do. And we even have the emblem set of communion, the body representing Jesus broken for us, the cup, his blood, his healing. You're saying, God, I need to confess my sin to you today. Heal me. Remove it from me. Forgive me, Jesus. And just as a sign of his forgiveness, receiving it. Or maybe you're sick and tired today and say, God, I need strength from you. But let's respond. Let's, let's seal it together. Here's my heart, Lord. Take and seal it. Seal it for your courts above. May we be a people that respond to you. Let's take a few moments this morning. And let's respond to the Lord as the worship team leads us.